another situation that's really kind of interesting. Um, do you remember Prime Minister Justin Trudeau standing up and saying Canada is back? You remember that? That was one of many things that he said uh, when he was re-elected the last time. In this case, he was referring to our peacekeeping efforts, international peacekeeping efforts. Yeah, long a source of pride for Canadians, right? Uh, and here was the Trudeau government promising all sorts of action on this file. Things are going to get bigger. Things are going to get better. We're going to be a leader in this area once again. But that's another promise that history shows may well have been a lot of talk in very little, if any, action at all. So to get a little more insight into what's going on on this, we're going to chat now with Peggy Mason, who is the president of the Rideau Institute and a former Canadian ambassador for disarmament to the UN. Um, Peggy, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So let's go back to the promises that were made and what the prime minister said and the defense minister said and what Canada was going to do. What was the promise uh, in terms of peacekeeping efforts? Well, the important thing to note, of course, is that the promises were very, very specific. You, you've recounted the general promises, which started in the in the 2015 campaign, uh, election campaign. But then um, the UN has a whole process for securing support for its um, uh, peacekeeping missions uh, through a series of ministerial conferences. Peacekeeping ministerials actually started by President Obama, and um, at the London ministerial in September of 2016, I mean, countries were, it was all designed to get countries to lock in pledges. Mm -hmm. So we made what was described and listed and heralded as a major pledge that Canada would provide up to 6,600 military personnel. And that was heralded as a significant uh, contribution. And then, but that was not uh, that was not forthcoming right. uh, in 2016. Then in 2017, we actually hosted, in November 2017 in Vancouver, Canada hosted, so the previous one was hosted by the UK, then we hosted a peacekeeping ministerial, we repeated our promise of 1,600 personnel, and we added to that promise that we would provide something that the UN really needs in these modern complex missions where they have to cover such huge areas and often in dangerous situations. We promised a quick reaction force, so a well-trained force that could get somewhere quickly by, by helicopter. And, um, we, and in fact, there was even a belief that the way the UN asked for this requirement, because they had sent out a general requirement that they needed quick reaction forces, for example, in Mali, it looked like it was even tailored to Canada. Anyway, we made the promise that in addition to the 600 military personnel, 200 for a quick reaction force. Okay, there's lots of other things we promised, too, which we can talk about. But the bottom line is that has not been forthcoming to this day. And we're talking about years after the fact, you know, these promises were made and we still haven't actually followed through on them. We did... And this is what's really frustrating. I mean, there are all sorts of things. The UN held held open the force commander position for us um, in Mali, in the big mission, uh, MINUSMA in Mali, and uh, for two months, because they thought that we were going, you know, if we had made a significant contribution like 600, then that it would be, you know, one of the things that might well come with it is, is uh, leadership, mm-hmm. force commander leadership of the military part of the mission. They held it open for us. Nothing was forthcoming. We did 
did ultimately make, and I do want to emphasize this because it kind of, it, it really demonstrates what we could be doing. We did make a contribution, a one-year contribution to the Mali mission, an air task force, um, August of uh, 2018 to 2019. And that was a very, very useful. So it's medical evacuation and also uh, air support, helicopter um, security support. Um, and, you know, that, that was extremely welcome. But... It was only one year, and the UN has devoted an, an, an immense amount of effort to getting countries to commit to three-year missions. Because, I mean, one-year missions, you're half the time you're, you're getting in there, and then the other half you're getting out. And you don't get the expertise, and then the UN has to go and look for somebody else. So the country that was both the, the countries before us that had offered this air task force medevac uh, support, the Netherlands and Germany, they had both. They had both provided three-year missions, and in addition to the air task force, they had offered also military forces on the ground. But all we would do is commit to this one-year period. So, you know, so that's what you know, that's what we've done. That, and, uh, in, in, and we've done, then there's the other much heralded. And this is, again, a good initiative, but, you know, uh, too little, too little. And that is, we committed, I mean, it's called the LC Initiative, and essentially it was to help increase the number of women peacekeepers. Yeah. Because, I mean, the statistics are absolutely clear that, uh, of the, that the women peacekeepers increase the effectiveness of UN peace operations, they increase the reach out to the population, they, uh, they de-escalate, um, they also decrease, lead to a, a marked decrease in the problem of sexual exploitation by forces. So all sorts of reasons why you want more UN peacekeepers, and Canada promised that it would that it would, uh, it would, that we have this big initiative where we would help other countries to do that. And, but we're not leading by example. We had a good percentage, uh, in, in the, uh, one year of the air task force, but, you know, that's not enough. If we're gonna, if we're gonna really show that we're serious, we have to have a sustained, uh, we have to have a sustained commitment. So what about our reputation? I, th- I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I always thought that Canada, you know, prior to all of this, was seen as sort of a leader in international peacekeeping with the UN. It was a source of pride for Canadians. Am I wrong? And where do we stand well, now? Well, and, and in fact, it still, it still is a source because many Canadians don't realize, yeah. you know, just how little we're doing now. Yes, up until 1995, I mean, we were, you know, we had consistently provided 10% of overall uh, peacekeeping forces um, with our high in 1993 of, in, in one year, 3,300 military. So, yes, we were seen as an extremely um, reliable and important contributor uh, to UN peacekeeping, and we often had the force commander position in the mission and so on. So, no, that, that, that reputation was well-deserved. But basically from 1995 onward, we started to focus much more on providing forces to NATO-led missions and uh, much less to UN missions, and then that accelerated. I mean, the, the decline uh, continued and accelerated under under the Harper uh, government uh, when, of course, you know, we had all those forces in the counterinsurgency mission in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, but, so, so, 
in terms of reputation, a very good reputation, much regret that Canada was not there. There was much regret that uh, although some NATO countries stayed in, unfortunately a lot of NATO countries did sort of move over and put their focus on on NATO operations. Although uh, in, you know, more recently, about, you know, a little bit earlier than Canada starting to make its promises, NATO countries started to re-engage. I mean, I mentioned the example of the Netherlands and Germany because, um, you know, countries who are paying attention, you know, counterinsurgency missions are a disaster. They've actually been 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 failing for the last hundred years. I mean, Afghanistan is not is not a new thing in right. terms of the bad bad record of counterinsurgency missions. Whereas UN missions, uh, there's nothing that's been more studied robustly than UN missions, and they succeed two thirds of the time in very very difficult conditions. They protect they protect civilians. Um, they they help create. Uh, lasting um, institutions uh, of good governance, and they um, and they also help civil society to establish itself. And we know how important that is. So you know this terrible tragedy of NATO countries, um, re- you know, engaging more in uh, in 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 what has an extremely poor track record. And here we all are. Here we are in the midst of Afghanistan. The horror mm-hmm. after all of the uh, you know the the tremendous, um, you know, military uh, uh, support that was offered. Um, But, you know, the the whole point of UN peacekeeping is that it's about the peace process, and the military is in support of a peace process, and that's what you have to have. You cannot solve these problems through military means. You have to have military to provide the support to all the civilians who are working the peace process. But if you don't have that, if you just have the military, side, then, you know, 15% of the time, the mili- you know, a military operation is successful. So we, re- we really need, we really need Canada to be re-engaging in, in UN peacekeeping as really the best way, you know, the best way for a, to, to help bring a country, countries out of conflict into sustainable peace. So now, as we're probably heading into another election, that's what everybody assumes. Is this going to come up again? Is this going to be, I mean, we need to be a little more wary if these promises are made once again. Yes, and, and exactly. And, and that's, I mean, because this is, you know, this is something we could discuss about why. I mean, why? Why, why weren't the po- promises followed through on? I mean, yeah, UN peacekeeping is definitely challenging. It's no easy task. And especially if you look like missions like Mali, I mean, it's complicated by the fact that there aren't just... Um, that the local people and all of their grievances, you know, you've got these transnational yeah. extremist elements. And so it's, it's, you know, it's a complicated business, but that's the reason, again, why you, why you need uh, professional, good professional forces. So I would hope that the, you know, the reason why the government was more nervous wasn't just because they thought the risk was higher. Um, I think, frankly, um, we can lay some of this at the door of, uh, of uh, former Chief of Defense Staff General Vance, who who uh, purported to agree with UN peacekeeping, but I think that he listened to those in national defense who argued, "Oh no, NATO operations are much more important." Because that's the the ultimate tragedy here is that you know we've been out of our DND, uh, our Department of National Defense has been out of this game for so long. They don't know what they don't know right. about UN peacekeeping, and that's why they need to reengage, and that's why they need to get people 
people at UN headquarters, you know, learning about this. Uh, we used to always have people on the military staff at UN headquarters, nobody for the last six years. And, and that was one of the other promises we made. We were going to help train UN peacekeepers. I mean, I was embarrassed, frankly. We're going to have people who have not engaged in UN peace operations going out and training forces, many of whom have been in multiple operations. So this is the point. They don't know what they don't know. The, you know, D&D is captured by, you know, this NATO mentality. Um, um, NATO has its place, but, you know, the, the stats don't lie. Right. You know, not for peace operations. And, uh, and so I think, I think that, that the minister did not get the departmental support. That doesn't excuse him. The buck stops with him. But he didn't get um, vital uh, departmental support. And frankly, he didn't get support from the lead minister, which is the foreign minister. They're the ones that lead. And uh, during this critical time, Christia Friedman was a foreign minister. She was totally focused on Canada-U.S., uh, you know, trade, and uh, didn't appoint somebody, you know, didn't have a point person at, at Global Affairs to make sure that these things happened. So, uh, so I would lay, you know, I would, I, would, uh, I would look to her as well for a failure of leadership uh, to make sure that Canada lived up to these promises. So now they've got to face that record in, in the campaign. Yeah, interesting. And of course, yeah, the campaign coming up, so we'll watch as it goes along. Peggy, thanks so much for your insight on this. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. That is Peggy Mason, who is the president of Rideau Institute and a former Canadian ambassador for disarmament to the UN.